Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant. This is Dr. Bill Sinyard. We are back in the Book of Romans, looking at uh, Paul's book of microaggressors. Uh, Romans 6, 1 to 12 has been, honestly, it's been a real microaggressor for interpreters. Paul is using a variety of metaphors like a hammer, bam, 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 or maybe scattershot like a shotgun. So readers can easily go on really unproductive bunny trails trying to figure out what he means by the body of death. Is he promoting universal dualism, spirit, body? Is he separating those two? What's the flesh? Where is it? What about the soul? Believe me, all bunny trails. Uh, You go down those trails and, and it bears very little fruit, only confusion, and we miss Paul's point. What he's saying is very profound, and look, let's not miss it. So we're going to go verse by verse, and hopefully we'll start to make some sense uh, he's being very consistent, but all right. In my humble op- opinion, and this could be a microaggressor for you uh, exegetes and biblical scholars, I think he's using too many examples. I mean, look, I mean, no hate to Paul, but uh, that's my opinion. Uh, many people just get lost in all the imagery and rhetoric and lose enthusiasm for the point. Uh, but he's making a point. Romans six one. Paul writes, "What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase?" So let's do some uh, definitions. Sin. It's harmatio. Uh, literally is to make a mistake, depart uh, from the truth or the, the path or error based upon standards. And it could be purposeful, intentional or unintentional. But in context, I think biblical sin should be defined much broader. The standards for righteousness are to love God and to love others with all of our being all the time, right? So sin is not just an error in direction or taking the wrong step. It it brings motives into play. So I can do good things for the wrong reasons. And boy, we'll get to that when he talks about slavery, uh, being slaves and obedient and such in a future podcast. But if I do right things for the wrong reasons, it's still sin. The standard includes actions and motives, right? That's a bigger deal. Uh, But this righteousness, this uh, lack of sin is also relational. So harmatio is also looking for significant security and belonging anywhere else other than God in his arms, uh, God's assessment of us, uh, the love of Christ. So if this is true then Paul's statement is is truly expressing absurdity. If if being made right is to be given that relationship that my brain has been searching for and dying for already, then why would I need to keep looking for significant security belonging anywhere else, right? Sin, right? If I already have it, why would I need to go somewhere else to get more if I already have it? So it would be absurd, he's saying. Brilliant. So if, if I find myself persisting in a behavior or motivation that is designed to make me feel better, significant, secure, and belonging, but it's leaving me empty, ashamed, guilt-ridden, lonely, depressed, isolated, in despair, addicted. I've left the farm. And also, grace, another definition, which is also a function of relationship, because there is no grace apart from the intimate presence of God. He doesn't send it to me, Federal Express, right? He comes. 
and he hugs me, looks me in the eyes, and that's grace. And it doesn't increase by looking for significant security and belonging and love in places other than God's measuring gaze right in front of his face. So if I leave that measuring gaze and look for it in someone else's face, that's absurd. Verse 2, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? All right. And look, here's where the discussion shifts to, but wait a second, we Christians still sin. Is Paul saying we shouldn't sin because we've died to it? No. Before our conversion and baptism of the Spirit, all we knew, all we knew was that we had to work hard to earn our significant security and belonging. That's how we were raised. It's the American way, but it's also the Indian way and the Chinese way and the Russian way. So it's up to us. If we're religious, we figured we needed to work real hard and do what Jesus would do, right? WWJD, and hope that we would be blessed accordingly by God because of our efforts. Maybe we got some benefit out of it, but there was a time when we knew and experienced the stunning love of God, right? That conversion and baptism, we felt it once that we thought was just between the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but we experienced it and we didn't do a thing to earn it. We didn't know before that that was available, that that was possible. And we certainly hadn't experienced such grace before, not by trying harder. So, look, we, we can't go back. We, we can't get back on that spectrum, honestly, because we we know and we have been known. Frankly, this appeals, the, the working harder spectrum should appeal to us less than it did because it didn't work. And by the way, maybe a little here and there, it can be very addictive. Dopamine is dopamine. But, you know, now we know. How can we argue that persisting and looking for love in all the wrong places is a good idea? And I'm talking about my rational brain. We'll get to my midbrain in a little bit. So, you know, we may fall back on that uh, working harder scale because there's habits and addictions, reactionary behaviors. But honestly... You know, push comes to shove, we, we recognize that we don't get the hits the way we're used to. The drug's not working anymore. Not as well. Something's different. Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus, right, that's born, uh, and, and it's, it's a dry cleaning, by the way, it's the Holy Spirit. We're born again. This Holy Spirit is now in our inner being for good. So, or do you not know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay. So that means... Legally, our crimes are paid for. Our brain, the critical voice in our brain, honestly, just doesn't have the leverage or standing to manipulate us to do religion out of guilt as much or feel like we need to earn God's pleasure by working harder as much anymore. And again, there's habits and addictions, so maybe a little bit here and there because old habits are hard to break. Man, that dog don't hunt anymore, not as much. My guilt and shame have a legitimate enemy, right? The gospel, the love of Christ for me as I am, whether I work hard or not. All right, Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. And you can see all the metaphors that Paul is tossing out there. It's, it's confusing. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, I want to focus on the new life, not just any new life. This new life is a really a descriptor for our new relationship that we have with God, the perfect one where he loves me with all the love in the universe. I'm an adopted child of God in good standing. Now, I don't experience that all the time, 
But it's true. I believe it. I am no longer alone in the universe. I am no longer isolated. I no longer need to earn my identity by doing good and feel like I could get more identity by doing more good. I'm a son of God in good standing. That's as good as it gets. And Christ is in that embrace. I am in him and am in that embrace. Verse 5. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united in his resurrection. I guess we've talked about that uh, a a little bit above. So uh, let me just read 6 through 12 to get a feel uh, for what he's saying. And yeah, we'll go from there. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. All right. How we understand this section really depends upon how we envision sin and what it is. If you see sin as doing wrong things, breaking the letter of the law, then you're going to have troubles with this section, and it's just going to muddle things, and you'll be confused. But if you see sin the way we've been talking about it, the bigger sin as ignoring what Jesus did, right, rejecting it foundationally, and trying to hard to earn God's favor and his love, right, uh, in addition to what Jesus did for you, then, uh, th- right, you already have all of God's favor. So if you keep on trying to earn it, you're denying God. You're you're turning away perfect love. And so being slaves to sin is, is having to live like an orphan all the time, even though you're a child of God and you're in the kingdom of God. It's tragic. And you swing from pride and denial of legalism and moralism, but I pulled it off today, to the other side of failure and shame. I'm a failure. And then you become a slave to my sin, right? And also right to say you're a slave to success and you're a slave to success at not sinning. But for you, good news, Jesus's death on the cross ruptured that spectrum. For you, you don't need to perform anymore to, to, to make God care for you anymore. He already does. He can't care for you any more than he does right now. So you don't need to not sin Sorry for the double negative, but you know what I mean. He loves you, the sinner. You're going to sin, and he loves you no matter what. He loves you as much as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. You can get the simple, uncluttered gospel bookmarks from the website and just say them over and over twice twice a day. God does not love you any more, any less, whether you sin or do not sin. You're freed from that spectrum. But there's part of your brain that won't believe that just yet. So, If that's true, then you can focus on what Jesus purchased for you. You can live with him in that stunning, life-giving relationship that he purchased. You can ask the Spirit, this is how you do it, to make you get it, to make you feel it, to make you experience it. There's no shame in asking for that. Paul's models it in Ephesians 3. Uh, And being alive to God is to actually be in his embrace. So imagine in his embrace, you finally look up into his eyes and see them shining at you, laughing over you, and you feel the your your pupils dilate and the flush your face flushes, and and even then you begin to feel relational joy. That's to live, to be alive to God. This is to live according to the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
in modern terms. And if you don't lean into that uh, by asking for the power, this is Paul on Ephesians 3, asking for power from God to stay there, to abide there, your brain will quickly swing back to to shame, you're not good enough, or guilt, I did something wrong, I need to fix it before God will really love me. You'll swing back to that spectrum, and, and that's unfortunate. God still loves you there, but you're not experiencing it. Yeah? So, verse 13, do not offer the parts of your body to sin. Does this make sense now? Don't spend any more time on that, Right? As instruments of wickedness, Paul writes, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, meaning relationship, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Verse 14, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. So for that law orientation that comes so standard in this world, doesn't need to control you, doesn't need to define your experience of the love of God on a daily basis anymore. Now, you're going to have to access power to, to break that in your midbrain, but you can. And look, there is nothing you can do to make God love you one little bit more or any less than he does right now. You're in. Grace is the embrace of God, and he's not hesitant. You're not on probation. And there in that embrace, you see, when you look up in the eyes of God, you begin to really get that you don't need to do anything more. And then you can turn around and and do good works out of a different motivation. So imagine a horizontal spectrum for saved Christians, zero to 10. You're going to have to imagine this. Zero is just going crazy and sinning. It's giving yourself over to sin, to the flesh, right? And 10 is never, ever sinning. And of course, we're never going to get to 10, but we can move from a two to a three or to a five by, you know, concerted hard work and effort and guilt trips and sermons and classes like this, (laughs) So let's say I have a good week or two, and I was a two, pretty disappointing, but now I'm averaging a 7.6 for, for five days in a row. Well, that's pretty good. Now, on that spectrum, here's the addictive part of that, um, the enslaving part of it. My brain is going to expect God to bless me on scale, of course, but I should get more of a favor than I did the week before. Right. And by the way, if you're at a two or three or a four or five, I should actually get more blessing than you. And even though, even though what the Bible says is Jesus paid for all of our sins equally and perfectly. Right. God will perfectly bless me and perfectly bless you. Right. So this being slave to sin spectrum, that horizontal zero to 10 is where we lived before we were spirit filled, before we were saved, before we were converted. See, I find, me personally, that I have to continue to try harder to please God, to earn his favor and attention, and I do it on a regular basis. I wake up thinking this, inherently denying uh, all the time what Jesus did for me, not believing it, right? Um, So I continue to pursue significant security belonging from my work, my career, my hobbies, exciting podcasts like this. And, and functionally, I'm denying the work of Jesus on my behalf because I already have all of God's favor. And that's the nut, the kernel, the, the, the core of being under the law. See, if I do this law, then my interpretation of that formula is that I expect reward. The Torah doesn't say that, and we're going to get to that in, a, in, a, in the next podcast. The gospel is this, that I was given the reward before I even got started on it. Before I got took my first step as a Christian, I can't mess it up. But hear this. 
Christians can live on this addictive horizontal spectrum, that rat race their entire lives. Uh, They can. And in heaven, every believer is going to be set free from this quote unquote good spectrum. Why is it good? Because, because this, listen, it's a real spectrum and Jesus fulfilled it. He was a 10. He was the only person who pulled that off, right? And so he purchased, he earned all of God's promised blessings. And and mysteriously, that purchase, that reward, that earning is given to me and to you. It's already mine. So now, imagine in your head, you got that horizontal spectrum. Imagine a, a box above the horizontal spectrum. It's not on the spectrum. In the box is the writing, Holy Spirit accessing power from God to make me feel adored by God now and freed from the slave-to-sin spectrum. Holy Spirit, accessing power from God to make me feel adored by God now and freed from the slave-to-sin spectrum. So I call that box, and that's including all of the metaphors and similes that Paul uses in this short section uh, to describe it. Here we go. That box is the grace baptized in his death, united with him, living a new life, no longer slave-to-sin, not under law, newness of life, box. Right? It's not on the spectrum. When we were saved, we were invited to play out of this box. We were empowered to step up to that box. And it takes the spirit because our brains are wired to be horizontal slaves to send spectrum. And it's our choice. We participate, but we need constant help. We need power. And God's the source of that power. We don't have the muscle group. How do we get it? Come on. We've been saying we ask. That's not so hard. A child could do it. We ask. So my suggestion is that Paul is using metaphor after metaphor, euphemism after euphemism to say the same thing. Christian, get off the horizontal rat race because you're already in. Stop getting credit for for doing better. Uh, Jesus has already purchased perfect for you. He's already purchased all of God's favor for you already. Ask the Spirit to make your inner brain get it, right? And then you can go and do good works, love God and love others by a whole different powerful motivation. That's what Paul's saying. So here is my interpretive translation of 6, 1 to 12, and uh, we'll finish this podcast. And hopefully it begins to make sense, right? This is very interpretive. Here we go. So what shall we say? Shall we stay on the sinning, not sinning spectrum like orphans and denial of the gift that Jesus has given to us so that God would be more pleased with us than he already is? How nuts is that? We no longer need to dally on that horizontal dead end. It's dead to us. We're dead to it. Good riddance. Or have you forgotten that we were ushered into the box over the spectrum when the Holy Spirit baptized us and began to dwell in our inner being? Now we no longer need to be on that horizontal death trap. So now, just as Jesus now experientially forever and ever experiences the love of the Father's arms, we are there as well because we're united with him. We can begin to feel it more and more by faith through his spirit and our inner being. We are no longer slaves, stuck to the law of that horizontal spectrum. It was Jesus's perfect life and perfect death that, quote, unquote, earned such that such a position according to the law. And I'm speaking in human terms. And since we are mysteriously united with him, that relationship is ours as well. If he is in the arms of the father now, so are we. But we have a role to play as well. We can choose to live in the upper box or on the dehumanizing spectrum. 
either children of God who ex- are experiencing the favor and devotion of God now, or as orphans who are never sure if God really loves us or not. Be careful. The horizontal spectrum is highly addictive, worse than crack cocaine. If you choose to play on it and are successful by some standard, pick a standard, there is an insidious dope hit in your lonely and desperate brain. It drives you to do the law again and again, more and more. And then when you fail, you will feel shame, guilt, and even fear of God's opinion of you, which also sends you into a different different cycle. But neither draw your eyes upward to the box. It's a deadly draw. Some would say evil. Rather, daily beg the Holy Spirit to access God's power to make you feel how much he loves you as you are right now. This has the power to free you from jonesing for the horizontal trap. Doesn't that make more sense? I think so. Uh, listen to the podcast again and, and track it with the verses, and you can see what we're, what we're doing here. Listen. All right. Do you want to experience that more now? I've been really talking to your prefrontal cortex, and you might go, yeah, some of that sounds reasonable, but I still don't see how, to, how I can get it. This is why we designed the dance, www.the-dance.org. The dance is the only online experience um, of this love of God that's targeting those areas of the brain that have been damaged by the destructive, horizontal, legalistic, moralistic spectrum. And these strongholds in your brain are very powerful and very subconscious for the most part. And we've made the dance so easy to do, so risk-free on your part. There's no judgment. I am telling you, it is shame-free. It's seven-station, vital presentation of the gospel for you. And by the way, to your midbrain particularly, that very addictive place, uh, and as you are today, you don't have to change. Just come right now. It's under two hours. There's a fee, but it's a fraction of a counseling visit. And it's satisfaction guaranteed, so there's nothing to lose. Think of it as baby steps to get off the addictive horizontal spectrum uh, that you no longer belong to, and up to the place, the grace united with him, baptized in his death, living a new life, no longer slave to sin, not under law, newness of life box that Jesus has purchased for you. Look, at the end of the day, wouldn't it be great to really know this Father's love? It, it is great to cognitively agree, he loves me, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. Good on you, but it's worlds better to begin to experience it a little bit more today than yesterday. And to hear him say over you publicly, you are my beloved son or daughter with whom I am well pleased. All because Jesus did it for you 2,000 years ago. So come into my arms, my child, come. I know how much you thirst. Well, all right, there it is. We'll see you next time in the Gospel Rant. We're going to pick up on, at Romans six seventeen. There is a lot of fun there, believe me. Take heart, child of God. God's Word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.